a missions thought. So uh, we're calling this Mark's Missions Moment. All right. And, uh, you know, I have a basketball here. And uh, how many people like basketball? Who's excited? Yeah. How many kids have, like, let's say you get out of school. You're already done with school. Is any, any kids or students or college students already done with school? Who's done with school? Raise your hand. Got a few. All right. Very cool. And uh, how many of you have, let's say, one week left? Like this week coming up is your last week. A few more. Okay. How many? Who, who has two weeks left? Raise your hand. Two weeks left? Yeah. That's exciting. Well, it, it definitely feels like summer, doesn't it, with all this great weather? And I'm excited for a new hobby I'm going to develop. I'm going to try and get better at basketball. So I got this new basketball. I'm really excited, man. This basketball is awesome. Uh, it, it says advanced performance on the box. I think that means if I use it, my performance will be advanced. I'm pretty sure. And so uh, it's just pretty. Uh, I just love new basketballs. It's got the, you know, it's got that nice new grip on it, so you can grab it easy. And and ah, don't you just love the smell of a new basketball? It's great. I just it's a nice smell. You know, I'm gonna take this basketball. What if? What if, though, I, I, I have this basketball here, and what if I left it in the box and never took it out, you know, and I put it under my pillow or in bed with me and sleep with my new basketball and take it to school with me and got it under my arm and I'm walking to school with my new basketball and I leave it in the box the entire time. And I show everyone, hey, did you check out my new basketball? I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to get really good. It says advanced performance on it. That means me. I'm going to be advanced. But you know what? If I leave it in the box, it doesn't, it's pretty limited in what I can do with it, right? You know, it might look cool and it might smell kind of good. But, you know, I'm not really getting the full use out of it, am I, if I leave it in the box, right? And you know what? Prayer is a lot like this basketball. Prayer is a whole lot like that basketball. A lot of times, for different reasons, we leave prayer in a box. We leave it in a box. We think the way we do that is because, you know, we think, well, prayer is like what you do at mealtime, right? How many of us pray? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us pray at mealtimes? You know, I remember we I still pray at mealtimes, you know, or bedtime. Bed, prayer is what you do at bed. You know, you get down on your knees at your bed and you say your prayers. And, or prayer is what you do in church. You know, we have church and, and we all pray and we do the churchy prayer thing, you know, and, and that's good. And those are all good times to pray. But sometimes we think prayer is just for those things or maybe just for special occasions when you really are in trouble and you're like, God, I don't know if you're up there, but if you are, I really, you know, I need this, or this is important, or this is going on, and, and that's when you pray. But you know what? Prayer is something you can do anytime. You do, it can be anytime. It doesn't have to be mealtimes. It doesn't have to be just, uh, it doesn't have to be just, you know, before bed. It doesn't have to be any, any of those limited times. You can pray anywhere. You don't have to just pray, uh, you know, in church. You don't have to just pray at home. You can pray in the middle of a game. You can pray in the middle of school. You can pray in the middle of your work day. You can, you can pray for any reason. You can just, you know, you're having a great day. God, this day's going so great. Thank you so much. I just, I'm just thankful that this day's going smooth. Or maybe you're having a rough day. Just things are going real bad. And you say, God, I'm just having a real hard day. This is rough. Prayers can be real short sentence like breath prayers. Like, dear Jesus, help me not to get in this car accident. Oh, my goodness. You know, or yeah, it might be just a word, help. <laughs> or you might want to take a long time to pray, maybe. All those things are good. You know what? We need to take prayer out of the box and not just use it in mealtimes, not just use it at, 
at uh, bedtime, but use it all the time. I can, I can do a whole lot more with this basketball if I take it out of the box, right? I can, I can, uh, I could use it at home or just about anywhere I have a little bit of space. I can use it just about any time if I got a few seconds, you know. I can work on dribbling. I can work on all kinds of stuff, work on shots, whatever. And I don't even have to use it for basketball. I could play keep away. I could play catch with it. You know, you can do all kinds of stuff. Dodgeball maybe. But I can do all kinds of stuff with it, right? Prayer is the same way. I want us to take a moment to pray. We were scheduled to have a missionary here with us, uh, Dave Johnson. He's a missionary to the Philippines. And he had some uh, just personal issues that we won't go into detail on, but some personal kind of things going on that kept him from being able to be here with us this morning. But, um, and you know what's really great is even when we don't know what to pray or how to pray, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit prays for us. So even when you don't know what to pray, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will pray for us. You know, And so I want us just to take a moment to pray for Dave, even though we don't know exactly the details of what's going on, uh, or you may not know all the details of what's going on, like us just to take a moment to pray for him. Let's take prayer out of the box. Let's use it, okay? Uh, would you mind doing that with me? You can bow your head and close your eyes if you want, but you know what? You don't have to. There's no rule, but let's pray. I'm going to because I get distracted easy. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for all that you're doing here. And we pray, Lord, that wherever Dave is right now, God, that you would help him where he's at. Lord, that you would be his, uh, Lord, just his comfort, his peace, that whatever he needs, that you would be there for him. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, be, uh, God, his provider, his healer. And Lord, I ask that you would just help him, Lord, uh, to, Lord, just to have your favor in his life. And Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, that you would help him to get back on the mission field as soon as possible, to go back to the Philippines and to share the gospel with people who need to hear about you. Do a miracle, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? As we uh, are talking today about the supernatural element of prayer, I'm going to take this out of the box here. I want this basketball, you guys, to be a reminder to take prayer out of the box. Today we'll be talking about the supernatural, uh, miraculous nature of missions. And you know what? You have a part to play in that miraculous nature of missions. When you pray, take prayer out of the box, and you start using it. You know what? You're going to release the supernatural in your life, in the lives of our missionaries, and all over the world. you got to first take it out of the box and start using it. All right? We're going to watch a video and uh, hope you'll be blessed by it. As they dig through the rubble and the remains of life before the earthquake, people in Haiti are still trying to pick up the pieces and forge ahead. This is the site where our family was headed on January 12th. This is where we typically stay when we're in Port-au-Prince. And um, 
We had reservations to stay here that night, but we had not made it. We're making our way this way and just had got hung up, a few things had came up and we were just about two kilometers away when the, when the earthquake happened and thankfully we had not checked into the hotel or weren't in the parking garage. In the wake of the disaster, thousands were killed. Families have been torn apart and a struggling nation is now desperately trying to survive. But God has not abandoned Haiti. Our church building here in Haiti is felt down, it's collapsed, the building. But the church itself is still alive. We are the revival one week after the earthquake. Almost 100 people have been saved. People gathered at the palace down here and throughout the city of Port-au-Prince up into Patronville. They met in the churches that were still standing. And this entire area uh, just became a place of prayer. God just uh, laid upon the hearts of the Haitian people to seek him. Thousands came to Christ. We've had a lot of reports of voodoo worshipers coming to Christ, witch doctors. And so God is really using this awful tragedy to bring a realization to the Haitian people that they really need him and they are turning to him in large numbers. Because our missionaries were already at work in Haiti, compassionate response was immediate. The long-term presence of our workers within a community is often the key to bringing Christ's message of salvation to people who are ready to listen. We're here because of the call of God, and um, it's what drives us, what keeps us, what sustains us, what gives us security when, when we look around and see no security. It's God's call in our life. That's the only reason we're here, and we believe that despite what we see is destruction, we know that God's plan is always redemption. <laughs> we still believe that greater things are in store for this nation, and that God has a plan to do a mighty work in this nation. Kind of a neat report from Haiti. Um, the Porters, uh, James Porter in Quarter, yeah, and uh, I said Porter, but it's Quarter. Um, they were with us, uh, for some of you that remember, and uh, boy, they are a blessing. And uh, they were on the ground at the hotel they were going to stay in that night that the earthquake hit, you heard. Um, they had not arrived, but was completely destroyed, and, uh, they, but they were able to, they were medical missionaries to Haiti, and I'll tell you, God had them in that place for uh, such a time. Um, this morning, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings, and I just want to say thanks for your faithfulness. And uh, ushers, you can come at this point. There's four quick things I want to highlight, although there's lots more in the bulletin that we want to make sure you're aware of. Um, junior high camp, for those of that are going to junior high, next week is the deadline for the uh, early bird special. There's also uh, health zone fundraisers that are still available for that. Next Sunday is a special Sunday. We've got, not only do we have a connection lunch after church where we're going to uh, have a meal together, we're asking you to bring a side dish and a drink, and we'll provide the, the hamburgers and hot dogs, and it'll be a great time. Uh, but we're also having a water baptism service next Sunday. And if you have not been water baptized, we want you to join us on Wednesday night for a pre-class. 
this Wednesday, 6.30. It'll probably take about an hour, and uh, we'd love for you to con- consider doing that. And then the last thing is that the following weekend, June 13th, is our first of three all-church cookouts. Sunday nights, three Sunday nights this summer. We're going to gather together and just hang out, have a good time. Bring your cornhole, bring your ladder ball, bring your croquet sets and uh, frisbee, whatever. And uh, we're, we're going to have a bonfire, and uh, it's going to be a great time. We want to make sure that you're aware of that. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bring chairs. Yeah, absolutely. Because we'll have tables and stuff like that, but bring your own chairs. Thanks, Steve. And uh, it's going to be at Steve and Jody McNeil's house. And so it'll be a lot, a lot of fun. All right. Rick, why don't you pray this morning for our morning tithes and offerings? Amen. Amen. Oh, for those that are here ready to give for BGMC, uh, you guys can come and give in the Buddy Barrels up front. Which one's the girls? Which one's the guys? Girls. Girls on that side, boys over here. So you guys can do that. And Clayton, you're good to go there. Let's switch it. There you go. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. on the girl side, man. Too late. this off at some point here. But if you want to empty your purses, ladies, feel free. But once we start reading God's Word, you're done, all right? (laughs) Or when the music stops. All right, there you go. All right. Well, thanks again for your giving, and uh, thanks for being here this morning. Last week, I started a a series. It's going to be a short series um, called Proven. And it's kind of based off of 1 Samuel chapter 17, the story of David and Goliath. Last week, we took the time to read the entire story, and, uh, but I want to highlight uh, verses 38 through 40 this morning just to kind of refresh our memory. For those of you that weren't here, uh, I want to kind of get you up to speed. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38, it says, Then, this is after David had come and said, Hey, I'll fight the Philistine. And uh, Saul said, Okay, go ahead. And he said, it says, then, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. 
So Saul, King Saul, gave David his own armor so David could go out for battle. And it says he put his coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened the sword over his tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. If you can imagine David, a young boy with all this gear on, you know, almost like stiff, couldn't hardly move, couldn't walk around, wasn't agile at all because he wasn't used to it. And he says, I can't go in these to fight the Philistine because I am not used to them. So he took them off and then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from a stream, put them in a pouch in his shepherd's bag, and with his sling, hey, it's okay, I'm just kidding. Let's start over. Last week, I started a series called Proven. It's okay. Love you, Phyllis. He says, I can't, I can't go in these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He took in his hand a staff, chose five smooth stones from a... Oh, I thought you had one more. I was like, oh, no, 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 again. <laughs> and with his sling, he went out and approached the Philistine. Now listen, David decided to shed off what in our eyes would have kept him safe, would have been the right gear to go. But he chose instead a proven method if we read earlier in the story that he had attacked a lion and a bear that came after his sheep and ripped them apart, he was used to a, uh, a, a system with his sling in his hand. He was a skilled marksman uh, of his own right. And instead of going with what man would have said, boy, this is what you have to do in battle, this is what you wear, he chose a proven method in his life, uh, at that point in his life, to go to slay the Philistine. Last week was kind of an introduction into this idea of proven, that missions is a proven way to grow in the Lord, to do what Jesus is blessing in your life. And we talked about the importance of being healthy, to be growing as a believer. And we've said that people matter. And so because people are on God's heart and we are to be healthy individuals, missions matters to God. Today, we're going to look a little different, a little different view at the miracle nature of missions. And again, just like last week, we kind of introduced this idea of missions being a proven way for a church and for an individual to, to grow in the Lord. We're going to see that uh, there's a miracle nature that is proven in missions. Now, I want to take just a second to kind of share with you some of my heart as your pastor. I grew up in the church, like many of you are, and, uh, or have. And I was active in youth group. I remember going to nursing homes and to coat drives. And I remember making my very first faith promise, which I'll talk about in a couple weeks. I remember going to Detroit AIM, like some of our students are going to go later this year. Before I was married, I went to Mexico and Russia on two foreign missions trips. After I was married and graduated from school, I went on a couple MAPS trips where you go and where you're working. I went to Jamaica I went to Cleveland, Ohio, and I went to Colorado for three different MAPS trips, kind of like what we're going to do in Flint, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the service. I've been to El Salvador and Honduras since we've been here, been to China uh, last year. I lived on a billboard to raise money for missions for Boys and Girls Missionary Crusade, what some of the kids gave to today. 
raised $65,000 in eight days with me and two other churches, living on a billboard, going out on a limb, literally. It was fun. I've climbed the, to the highest point in Utah, raising money for missions. And so I, I say all this to say that I have seen firsthand the miracle nature of missions. In fact, later this summer, I'm going to be riding a 500-mile bike ride um, to raise money for a local missionary uh, organization called First Priority. And uh, they reach out to the youth in the schools. And I'll be riding on it with a team of 10 500 miles the last week in July. And, uh, but the reason I continue to do this is because I've seen over and over the miraculous happen as I have partnered with God. And the reason we, when I talk about a partnership with God, I am doing things and I've done things in, on a missions uh, type of experience. It, what do you do? You partner with others and it's bigger than yourself. And I believe that there's something inside of each of us that longs and wants and desires something beyond what we can achieve on our own. There's something in us. We see it in business. There's partnerships that are, that are uh, made, business partners that come together to, with an idea. Sometimes there's an idea and then there's those that will uh, go out and raise the capital to be able to move forward with the idea. I am a personal fan of athletics uh, that are team sports because I believe when, when a team is working together, there's great power, there's great energy. In relationships, sometimes there's partnership, whether it's an accountability partner or, or a husband-wife situation or even a father-son or a mother-daughter relationship. In each of these partnerships, together, there's more effectiveness, there's greater opportunity, and the reality is that when you come together, you're bigger than just one person. Last week, we talked about the inward focus uh, that is easy uh, to, to happen in our lives. It's an unhealthy. If we just continue to look inward as individuals and as a church, if we are continually just looking inward, we know we're headed for trouble. Instead, we know that an outward view, a looking out is good as we partner with God, as we reach out. And I believe that reaching out is a breeding ground for the miraculous, for the miraculous to happen in your life, in the life of believers. And what's interesting is we search through Scripture, and I did a little digging this week in preparation for this morning, that throughout Scripture, there are miracles, signs, and wonders riddled throughout from Genesis through Revelation. Let me just give you some highlights. To those of you that have been in church, these will be uh, pretty familiar. Moses. How about Moses? He goes and uh, he's trying to free the Israelites. Ten plagues that God used him to orchestrate. How about Joshua as he took Jericho by force? The miracle that happened as they blew the trumpet after their seventh time around. No uh, swords, no guns. No, there weren't guns anyway, but no slingshots. They shouted and the walls came tumbling down. How about Samson at the end of his life, the miraculous? He's saying, God, I know that my eyes are gouged out. My hair has been cut, but could you give me God's strength one more time? And Samson at the end of his life gave his own life as he pushed the pillars and the walls fell on the Philistines. Incredible story. 
How about Samuel calling it to rain and it rained, and calling it drought and it would be drought? The miraculous. We see miracles in Elijah's life, in Elisha, in Jonah's life, all throughout the Old Testament. And then, of course, we get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We chronicle Jesus' life. Signs and wonders followed Jesus everywhere he went. And what's great is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And once Jesus went to heaven, the miracles didn't stop. His disciples were active in seeing miracles all throughout the book of Acts. I believe Acts is a miracle book. We see the missionary journey of Paul. He takes the first journey with Barnabas and John Mark, his second with Silas, and the third with Timothy and others. And as he goes, there are miracles that follow Paul. Signs and wonders, and I believe these signs and wonders are connected in each case to a mission's heart, a heart after God, and a heart after people reaching out. Now, there's a few areas of missions that I wanted to, to highlight, uh, or a few areas of miracles in relation to missions that I think are really, really uh, important. The most important miracle that happens, it's a result, as we look outside of ourselves is the miracle of salvation. In Acts, after the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up, gives a great speech, a sermon really, and 3,000 people were saved. Added to the church daily. The Bible says, we read in Acts uh, chapter 2 and 3. Last week, for those of you that were here, we saw little missions at, at, in action. At the end of service last week, I uh, gave a salvation call, which I'll do at the end of today's service as well. And if you don't know the Lord, don't miss this opportunity to ask Jesus in your heart today. It'll change your life. Get right with the Lord today. But last week, I, I was praying, and, and, uh, and there was an individual that had called up last week and said, hey, make sure you give a salvation call, which I almost always do. And I did, and, and that the person that was sitting with this person didn't respond. And so I just kind of said, well, I said, Lord, you know, let's give them a second opportunity. I said, hey, turn to your neighbor.